while you're doing that, uh, I want to ask you an important question. And that question is, have you ever been in the midst of something that you're so confident you know is right, you know is true, you, you just know that what you're getting ready to do, you know it, okay? Um, but then once you're in the act, you realize, wait a minute, I didn't know this as well as I thought I did. Have y'all ever been in a situation like that? So let me give you an example of this, okay? Um, last Sunday, we went to Brookdale. And while we were there, uh, I had the opportunity to lead the uh, group in worship, okay? And I'm not a worship leader, okay? Uh, and so there was a lady there, she plays by ear, and I always, we always think through hymns. I grew up listening to hymns, and so very comfortable with singing hymns. And so we're, we're singing these hymns. Pastor Leisha gets up to do her devotional, and I thought to myself, you know what a good song would be for us to follow up is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Do you all know that song? Okay, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Appreciate y'all singing along with me. But uh, obviously you didn't want to jump in, but that's okay. All right, so we're singing that. And uh, I, I, I told them, I said, you know, this would be a great song for us to sing. And I was so confident. It's like, this is the one. The lady that was playing for us that day, she plays by ear, okay? So she doesn't even, she's probably in her eight, late 80s. She doesn't even look at a hymn book. I can just say, play victory in Jesus, and she'll just start playing it. So I looked at her, I said, play Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, and she starts playing it. And I said, well, let's, let's just do the chorus, okay? Because that's, in, in my church growing up, that's what we sang was that part I just sang to you was just the chorus. Well, we get through the chorus, and she starts playing the verses, and I don't know the verses, okay? So she's playing, and she looks at me like, well, are you going to come in? And I looked at everybody. I was going, Beth T.G. is a blessing from the Lord. She started singing the verse as loud as she could. It wasn't loud enough for me, but so we get through it. We, and then you know how some people... They'll sing a song, and the only part they know is when they come in and it gets real loud. So we sing the verse, and I'll say, turn your eyes. You know, I'm singing like I know this, right? And then we go back to the verse, and Laura's over there, my wife. She's laughing at me. Pastor Thomas is laughing at me. I look at Priscilla. Priscilla goes, like, I can't believe what you're doing. It was a humbling moment for me. I share that with you because, okay, I think sometimes we get overly confident. And we get so confident in what we think we know that we often miss out on what God's trying to teach us because we think we already know everything. So, for example, this passage of Scripture that I'm going to share with you this morning is a story that you have learned since you were a child, more than likely. However... The temptation is to think, oh, I know everything there is to know about this story. And can I just tell you, that should be a red flag. Because God's word, every time you read it, folks, 
God can say something new to you every single time. You can read the same passage of Scripture every day, and every day is a blessing anew, okay? And so as we read this passage of Scripture this morning, I just want to challenge you to think to yourself, okay, God, I know I know this, but help me not to miss out on what you want me to hear today. So with that being said, I'm going to read Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 15, then I'm going to skip over to verse 27, okay? It says, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. Now let me just give you a little bit of background here, okay? You remember Joseph was the son, right, of Jacob also later known Israel. And he had 12 sons. And those 12 brothers, as we're going to talk a little bit here in a few moments, um, had some jealousy and favoritism going on, and they sold him into Egypt. And then through God's all-powerful, all-knowing will, raises him up in the ranks of Egypt, and there is a big drought and that his brothers come to him, not even realizing it's him, okay? And that's where we are. So verse 2 says, And he, talking about Joseph, wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. That's some pretty loud wailing, okay? So Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save the lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to, per, to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen or Goshen and be near me, you, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household will not belong to you, uh, excuse me, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping, and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. And we now skip over to verse 27. And it's talking about his father, Jacob. Okay? 
It says, when they told him, being Jacob, everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father revived. And Israel said, I am convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, as we look into your word, we believe, Father, that this is a special revelation from you. We believe that your word reveals to us who you are and what you desire from us. And so, Father, we pray that through your word you will speak to our hearts, speak to our souls, Father. Mold us more and more into your image. We pray, Lord, for redemption. We pray, Lord, for restoration. And, Lord, we pray that our souls, too, will be revived. In Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. So I've named this sermon Family Matters because in this, in this situation, in this biblical text, you see that family mattered greatly to Joseph. In fact, when he finally saw his brothers, he wept bitterly. I mean, he, not bitterly, but loudly. Uh, he was glad to see them. He wanted to make sure that his father was still alive, okay? Uh, because family mattered to him. Now, in this whole situation, it's all wrapped around a family. But what I'm wanting to encourage you with today is that God not only wants to restore family brokenness, but that God wants to restore all brokenness. That is why he has come. Because we, as human beings, are broken people, and we have broken relationships, and that may be with family members, co-workers, friends, whatever the case may be. And so I want us to make sure that even though the name of this sermon is Family Matters, can I just say that all people matter, okay? And that God wants the, to restore all of that that is broken, okay? God wants to restore all of that that is broken. So with that said, let's look at some of the family issues that have come up in this story with this family. So a couple of things that we know right from the get-go with Joseph's family there was some favoritism, right? Now, any of you that are parents, have you ever had your children say to you that, well, you like so-and-so more than you like me? Doesn't that always happen? And what is your response? Yes, I do. No, that's not your response. Oh, is it? Uh-oh. We'll pray. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We need to pray for this section. Um, but yes, I mean, that, that is not what we say, is it? And then our kids will come up, well, you bought such and such for so-and-so, why don't you buy such and such for me? And, and, and before long, I mean, the whole conversation just is getting nowhere, isn't it? Because one always feels like there's favoritism. Now, in this case, 11 of them felt like there was favoritism. Can you imagine that? Okay? Just the struggle that it would have been for Jacob. Constantly hearing 11 of his sons say, you like Joseph more than me. And Joseph, I mean, Jacob would look at him and say, why? Why do you say that? And then the 11 sons come back and say, 
Because you made him a coat of many colors. Why didn't you give me one? Right? I mean, you can see how this is transpiring. And so, what does that lead to? Anger and jealousy. Every time. Okay? And so, these 11 brothers who are now upset with their father and with their brother are now angry and jealous over this younger brother. So what do they decide to do? They decide, we're going to break this relationship altogether. Okay? Now it's kind of like the very beginning of Scripture. When you have Adam and Eve, they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden. They have two sons, Cain and Abel. And God likes one of the sacrifices, okay, the offerings, better than the other, right? And so what does the other brother decide to do? Cain goes and wants to murder his brother Abel, correct? And so now you fast forward all of these years, and the same exact situation is happening where the brothers are angry and jealous of their little brother, and so they want to murder him. They come up with this idea. We'll throw him in a pit. We'll go back and, and we'll just leave him there. We'll go back and tell dad that a wild animal got him and ripped him apart and he's dead. So they put him in a pit, but a couple brothers stay back. Some of the brothers go on home. And a couple of the brothers stay back. And while they stay back, they notice that there's some tradesmen coming through. And they come up with a great idea of, you know what? Let's sell our brother to these tradesmen. So they sell him. Now here's my question. Do you know what they sell their brother into slavery for? What, do you, what, was their, what did they get out of it? Do you remember? Silver. Now doesn't that remind you of somebody else who was betrayed for silver judas right judas took 30 pieces of silver these brothers took 20 pieces of silver okay and they sell them and they think that they're rid of him they think that they're done okay now that's some major serious family problems right would you say that their relationships are broken and if you were let's just say that you were joseph and you see your brothers later in life, what do you think that would be like? Wouldn't you go up to them and let them have it and say, I can't believe you did this to me? How dare you? Look, I'm still here. I'm out of this situation. I'm going to pay you back. But that is not how Joseph handled it. And so I want to share with you this whole pattern of how Joseph handled a horrible, broken relationship with his family. And I think that this same pattern should be used by all of us in any broken relationship. So let me just give you this, this the whole grand scheme before we, before we move forward. It's one leads to the next and then leads to the next. So what you're going to see is that, with, at least with Joseph, he refocuses. And when he refocuses... That leads him to seeing God's plan. We'll talk about that in just a moment. So he refocuses and focuses on God's plan. 
Once he realizes God's plan, that leads him to reconciliation, which is the next part. So God's plan leads to reconciliation. And we'll talk about what reconciliation means, but reconciliation will ultimately lead to restoration. Okay? So refocusing, reconciliation, and restoration. Those are the three things I want you to walk away with this morning. That that is how God is wanting us as his children to operate in this world of brokenness and how we can help partner with God in restoring that which has been broken, okay? So let's start with refocusing, which leads to seeing God's plan. Joseph would have had every right to be angry with his brothers. Every single right. He could have complained. He could have done whatever he wanted to pay back his brothers. But if you notice what verse 8 says, he never focuses on the issues and the problems that his brother has done. Not once. If you look at verse 8, he says, So then... It was not you who sent me here, but God. And suddenly, you, if, you, if you pay attention to that, even though you've known this your whole life, this story, if you pay attention to that, you almost want to go back and say, no, it was your brothers who sent you here. They put you in a pit. Then they sold you to tradesmen. But he is not focusing on that. Can, can I say something that we as human beings have a serious problem in focusing on the moment instead of focusing on God's plan. Is that not true? Do we not often focus on what everybody's done to us instead of saying, wait a minute, maybe God's left me here for a purpose. Or maybe God's allowing me to go through this because he's got a bigger plan than what I'm upset about. And so nowhere in this, and you remember last week I talked about Christian victims don't victimize? Well, this week you see someone who is a victim and he's not victimizing. And in fact, he doesn't even see himself as a victim. He sees himself as in the middle of God's plan through the whole process. Now, some of you will remember, if you, if you trace back his life, okay? He was sold into being a tradesman, sold to tradesmen. He ended up going to Potiphar's house, right? Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. He ran out of the house. She grabbed his cloak and then betrayed him, basically accused him falsely of trying to have adulterous relationships with him. And then he is thrown into prison and he works his way up by the king and interpreting dreams, all this kind of stuff. And eventually, here's what happens. Okay? God places him up here at one of the highest leaders in Egypt. And not once does he talk about being the victim in any of this. He's only saying, hey, I am in the middle of God's plan. Now, folks, let me, let me tell you something, okay? In the midst of brokenness in our world, in, in our families, in, with colleagues, we as Christians have to say we have a God who is still on the throne and who is bigger than the problems we are facing. We don't need to panic. We just need to say, hey, you know what? My God's in control of this. He is in control of this. And so we need to refocus, which basically means 
looking no longer at the problems that we're facing, instead saying, my focus is going to be upon God and his plan and figuring out where God is at in the midst of this. When we refocus and we see God's plans, that will lead us to reconciliation. God's plan leads to reconciliation. Reconciliation means to bring back together. Okay? means to bring back together. Listen to verses 14 and 15. If you want to follow along with me, you can. But it says, this is, this is Joseph, okay? He says, then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine someone doing such a horrible thing to you, okay? And you see them, and all you want to do is put your arms around them and love them. Can I tell you, that is the grace of God. Okay? Because some of us would want to put our arms around them in a different way. Like around their neck. But the grace of God transforms that into an embrace. Okay? And so it says... That in, in verse 14 and 15, it says, Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him, weeping, and he kissed all of his brothers and wept over them. And then it says, I love it, it says, Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. It's like they sat down and said, Hey, we've had some issues in the past. We're going to work this out. Okay? It wasn't an avoiding each other. It was a, hey, let's sit down and let's talk this out. We love each other. We've made mistakes in the past. Let's reconcile. Let's bring this back together. And so here what we see is, is that when Joseph focused on the big picture, that being God's plan, it led him away from the idea of rejecting his brothers and towards a mindset of embracing his brothers. Okay? Which leads us to the fact that reconciliation will always lead okay, to full restoration. Now, sadly, this is what I hear in churches. Okay? This is what I really want you to get. Many of us will say, oh yeah, I've forgiven so-and-so for what they did to me, but things will never be like they used to be. Have you heard people say that before? They've been hurt before, and they'll say, so-and-so did something to me, I've forgiven them, but our relationship will never be like it was before this happened. And my response to that is, why not? If Christ fully restores us with the Father after our sin, can he not fully restore us as broken individuals? In, in fact, I would go as far as saying this, the grace of God, the power of God is strong enough to restore your broken relationships to a point that they're better than they ever were. Do you hear that? That it's not a, oh, things will never be like they were before. In a sense, that'll be true. It'll be true in the sense of, because it'll be way better than what it was before if God is in it, okay? And so, God wants to reconcile, but he also wants to restore and make things way greater than what they were before. That is the grace of God. 
where he can bring two people together and they work through a problem. And because they work through the problem, they're stronger and they're tighter and they're bound by God's love, the agape love that cannot be broken. I believe that we see this reconciliation with not only Joseph's brothers, but we see the full restoration when we look at verse 27 and we see the effect that it has on his father. Okay? Look at what verse 27 says. It says, the spirit of their father. First of all, we haven't even thought about how the father felt in all this, have we? But you all know, as a parent, if your children are not unified and they're broken, there's a broken relationship, you know that it rips the heart out of the parent. Okay? But when you see that Joseph steps out and allows God to reconcile and restore their relationship, it has a powerful effect even on their father to where verse 27 says, the spirit of their father was revived revived now there's an interesting word because we talk about revival right and in fact we're in the process of trying to work towards um developing a, a revival for our community and one of the main things we're focusing on is unity in our community okay and so if you want revival to take place unity has to be one of the first steps that you take in other words, folks, if you want unity in our church or you want unity in our community, okay, what we as Christians have to do is get on our knees and say, God, if I'm not at one with any of my brothers and sisters, I'm holding back revival. Now, that's a scary thought, isn't it? But if we could take the step that Joseph took in saying, Lord, it's about you more than it's about me. It's about your plan more than it is about my plan. You know what? God might unleash his spirit and let revival take place here. But we have to respond. And so that's what I want to close with this morning is how we can respond. Let me just share with you just a couple of things. I think these will be up on the screen. But one of the issues that we as Christians need to start doing is we need to Ask God to help us focus less upon the moment and more upon the big picture. Okay? Focus less upon the moment and more upon the big picture. Secondly, I would say that we need to respond by patiently enduring hardship because God may be allowing us to suffer to lead us to something far better. We don't like to suffer, do we? But do you know that maybe our suffering is part of God's plan to lead us to something far better? So you take Joseph, for example. His brother putting him in a pit. His brother's putting him in a pit. Potiphar's wife falsely accusing him. Him being thrown into prison. All of that suffering led to a place so that he could restore a broken relationship with his family. And not only that, to save Israel a remnant of Israel in the midst of a drought and a famine. So God has a much bigger picture in store in the midst of 
touched his life. Next, I would encourage you to to begin seeking to be reconciled with those relationships that may be broken. As Christians, you cannot expect other people to come to you to fix the relationship. Okay? If you are to imitate Christ in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Or if you take Ephesians chapter one, 5, verse 1, it says be imitators of God. Okay? In our broken relationship, was it God who took the first step or was it us that took the first step? It was Christ, wasn't it? It was God who stepped out of heaven. He made the first step. He made the first move. And we as Christians, if we're to imitate Christ in the brokenness of our everyday lives, it is you and I who are supposed to take the first step of reconciliation. Not wait for somebody else to do it, but it is you and I. And so we need to seek out to be reconciled with those. Make the first step. And then when those relationships are reconciled, when they're brought back together, we need to pray and ask God, Lord, restore those relationships. Make them stronger and make them better than they have ever been before. I'm going to ask Pastor Thomas and, and Matt to come up as we sing a closing song. Here's one of the things you learn when you read through the scriptures. You will learn that the Bible is full of people who can't get along. Okay? You know one of the major problems that many of the people who do not attend church nowadays, you know one of their biggest complaints is? that people in the church can't get along, so they don't want to go to church anymore, okay? Folks, I'm just going to say this, okay? Church is exactly a place where people who can't get along need to be <laughs> because it's there that they hear that Christ can help people get along. And it's here where we learn of the power of Christ. And it's here that we all hear that none of us are perfect and that we've all got some brokenness in us, Okay? And so I share that with you to say, as we close out, I just want to open up the altars for you to come and say, Lord, there's a broken part in my life that needs to be fixed. Or maybe there's a broken relationship in your life. Or maybe you know someone who is broken and you want to pray for them. But I believe in the power of prayer, and I believe that when we turn these things over to God, that God not only hears our prayers, but he will answer them according to his will, which is the main big picture. And so as we sing this closing song, I just want to open up the altars for those of you who want to surrender some things to God's will and pray for restoration and redemption and pray that God will take control. If you would stand with me. Those of you who feel the Lord leading you to come and pray to him, I invite you to come down as we sing. And I'm going to open us up here in this prayer. Father, as we respond to you, remind us, Lord, of what we've heard in this sermon. And Lord, give us the grace to respond in the way that you want us to. In Christ's name I pray, amen.